from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up. End America's longest war. It's time for American troops to come home. That was President Joe Biden earlier today announcing the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan by September the 11th. Even CNN reporters are questioning the timing. We'll talk about it with Senator Lindsey Graham. We'll also talk with House Armed Services Committee member Joe Wilson about the latest news that uh, Iran has reached 60 percent uranium enrichment in their nuclear program. And they continue to refuse to meet with the Biden administration. And in the 116th Congress, Speaker Nancy Pelosi denied members of Congress an opportunity to vote 80 times, 80 times on the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Pro-life lawmakers plan to file a discharge. In fact, they filed it earlier today in the 117th Congress, which if 218 members sign it, the signatures uh, will force the speaker to allow a vote. We'll also talk about it. Uh, We'll talk about that with the author of the bill, Congresswoman Ann Wagner of Missouri. And out on the left coast, lawmakers in California in the uh, state Senate out there killed a measure that would have recognized religion as essential. And we'll also talk about uh, we'll talk about that and an effort by California Democrats to potentially dox citizens who sign recall petitions. Only in California, Ca- uh, Pastor uh, Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel Chino Hills will join me for that conversation. And the Equality Act is still pending in the U.S. Senate. It would be a torpedo strike to religious freedom. Former U.S. Solicitor General Ken Starr joins me in studio for a conversation about that and his new book, Religious Liberty in Crisis, Exercising Your Faith in the Age of Uncertainty. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on uh, the free speech platform of Gab, it is Tony underscore at Tony underscore Perkins. All right. President Biden officially today announced that it is time to end America's longest war. And he says he's doing so by fully withdrawing troops from Afghanistan by September the 11th, which happens to be the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Uh, With me now to uh, talk about this, I think we have Senator Lindsey Graham uh, joining us by phone. Senator, welcome back to the program. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, So your response to the president's announcement this morning? Uh, A disaster in the making. Uh, uh, President Biden is not going to end the war with radical Islam, okay? Radical Islam is not going to surrender. The people of Afghanistan have been fighting al-Qaeda, ISIS, and the Taliban for decades with our help. They don't want to live in soccer stadiums where women get uh, murdered. They don't want to live like the Taliban and al-Qaeda would like them to live. So what President Biden doesn't understand is that the enemy is radical Islam. Um, They killed 3,000 Americans 20 years ago this September only because, Tony, they couldn't think of a way to kill more of us. So we're going to leave Afghanistan against sound military advice. This is the same Joe Biden who advocated leaving Iraq that led to the rise of ISIS that went to Syria to destroy the Yazidi population a form of um, Muslim thinking uh, that put the Kurds at tremendous risk. 
I think we uh, I think we lost the senator. We'll see if we can get him back on. Um, there are several responses to this uh, today. The uh, Republican majority leader, uh, minority leader in the Senate, the Republican leader, uh, questioning this as well on the, uh, the the Senate floor. I'm going to go to his comments. Uh, this is Mitch McConnell. Uh, clip number three. Biden takes the easy way out of Afghanistan. The likely result is disaster. This is the morning's lead editorial from one of the nation's most liberal newspapers. The administration has decided to abandon U.S. efforts in Afghanistan, which have helped keep radical Islamic terrorism in check. And bizarrely, they've decided to do so by September the 11th. Apparently, we're to help our adversaries ring in the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks by gift wrapping the country and handing it right back to them. You know, it's interesting. The, the, even those on the left are questioning this. Um, the my majority leader, I mean, it's 50-50, so it's kind of hard to tell who's majority and who's minority. But uh, Chuck Schumer, Democratic leader, uh, in the Senate on CNN this morning talking about this and CNN questioning the timing of this. Uh, clip uh, five, please. You were critical last year of President Trump's decision to reduce the troop levels in Afghanistan because you said it was an incoherent policy. How do you feel now about President Biden's decision? I think President Biden has come up with a careful, careful and thought out plan. Look. John. Um, the president doesn't want endless wars. I don't want endless wars. And neither do the American people. And it's refreshing to have a thought out plan with a set timetable instead of the president waking up one morning, getting out of bed, saying what just pops in to his head and then having the generals having walked it back. Well, joining us now with more on this from the House side, uh, Congressman Joe Wilson of South Carolina. He's a member of the House Armed Services Committee. Congressman, welcome to the program. Uh, Tony, I appreciate being with you and also appreciate the Family Research Council. And, hey, my interest uh, in Afghanistan is very personal. Uh, my former National Guard unit, the 218th Brigade, served there for a year. I know what great work they did for the people of Afghanistan. My youngest son was an engineer who served in the Army National Guard there in Afghanistan. Uh, it, it's absolutely critical. The president should have completed his statement today. Bring the troops home and then bring the war home. Because we either have the opportunity to defeat the terrorists overseas or they will come back. And there could be no clearer example uh, because out of Afghanistan, a cave, Osama bin Laden attacked the World Trade Center, attacked Pennsylvania, tried to attack, um, uh, we know, uh, the Pentagon. Uh, and so uh, this is an invitation to bring the war back to America. And we have such a wonderful opportunity to, with minimal troop forces, we have 2,500 troops there. Uh, we have 7,000 of our NATO allies there. Uh, we have an opportunity to to keep the war uh, in Afghanistan and not bring it home to America. It's, it's a really, a really good, 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 good point, point uh, Congress, Congress, because, because we have a small contingency there, but it keeps them in check and keeps them there as opposed to here. There's really no question. Either, hey, these people are committed to destruction of Western civilization, uh, destruction of Christianity uh, and Judaism. And so uh, and so they're uh, they're not going to give up. 
uh, and and uh, what we're turning the country over to is the Taliban. Remember them, uh, the destruction of the prior civilizations of Afghanistan, their alliance with ISIS, their alliance with Al Qaeda. Uh, they have every intent to bring the war back to America. What about the timing of this September the 11th, the 20, 20th anniversary? Well, I mean, what is that about? Even CNN reporters are questioning that. Well, uh, that, that's insanity. Uh, and because, and, but it, hey, it is correct. Uh, because 9-11 was the attack on the American people. 3,000 people died across our country. Um, murder across our country. Uh, 9-11 may be very appropriate because now you're bringing them back. Continuing on this focus on the foreign policy of this administration, one of the other areas that is uh, teeing up to be a very, very dangerous situation is that with Iran. And, and Tony, that's uh, another example of insanity. Uh, The Iranian mullahs, these mass murderers, that's what they are, have uh, continued to develop uh, uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles. Uh, They've never stopped doing that. Well, there's only one reason that you would build an ICBM, and that's to be able to deliver a nuclear warhead against the American people. And, and to, hey, a delay of 10 years in their program, which they didn't do, um, and uh, in the uh, eyes of people of ancient Persia, who are the successors here of 4,000 years, 10 years is nothing. And so, and hey, this should be bipartisan. Uh, in fact, sort of Joe Lieberman has been one of the greatest critics of the reinstitution of the Iran deal to give hundreds of billions of dollars to people to uh, plan to kill the American people. Uh, And then, of course, the former chairman of the House Armed Service uh, of the Foreign Affairs Committee, Elliot Engel, what a superstar he is out of New York. He identified that it was wrong and and that the Iran deal was wrong. President Trump, it was courageous on his part to begin the sanctions against this um, evil regime which in Tehran, which uh, actually oppresses the people of Iran. The people of Iran do not want to live uh, in a totalitarian, authoritarian state. Uh, I'm so hopeful for the young people of Iran that one day they get to live in freedom, and we need to be encouraging that, not encouraging the mullahs to further persecute and torment the people of Iran. Uh, Congressman, how do you interpret the announcement by Iran that they have reached 60 percent uranium enrichment. I mean, it's not even like they're fearful that the United States might do something. They're just boasting openly of this achievement. And, and, and Tony, they're bragging. Okay, they're bragging that they have every intent to proceed to develop a nuclear weapon and to proceed uh, against the American people. Uh, and of course, in the meantime, and let's be real. These are the people who say death to Israel, death to America. That's what they mean. Uh, it, it's in English, okay, so we don't have to interpret it. And, and that's what they mean. And, and so uh, it, it's, um, it's just it, it's really sad for the American people to be put at risk this way, which it should not be. You mentioned Congressman Wilson, uh, Israel, uh, one of our closest allies, especially in that region of the world. This puts them in great danger. Well, hey, they're in direct danger. They already, uh, the, uh, the missile capabilities of Iran already, they can strike Israel. They can strike uh, southeastern Europe. Uh, Greece, Bulgaria, Romania. They can attack India. Uh, and so, uh, but their real goal is, hey, is what they call the great Satan, and that's the United States. And so they can't wait to develop an ICBM capability to uh, commit mass murder, uh, unimaginable against the people of uh, the United States. And hey, we've got every opportunity with sanctions to uh, provide and work for regime change in Tehran. 
You know, the Biden administration, well, actually, uh, candidate Biden criticized the Trump administration, saying that uh, diplomacy was the answer here with Iran. And uh, thus far, as far as I'm aware, uh, Iran, Iranian officials have refused to meet with the Biden administration. Isn't that amazing? I can't imagine why they didn't meet because, hey, we know, uh, talk about appeasement. Uh, well, this would be a record appeasement, uh, capitulation. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, I don't know why they're not understanding this. And then, sadly, another thing, I work very closely with the European Union. I'm very disappointed. Uh, a reason they want the uh, Iran deal reinstated is because we give tens and tens of billions of dollars to Iran, and then they spend it in the European Union. So they've got a conflict of interest. We don't have a conflict of interest. Uh, President Biden, President Harris should be protecting the American people. Congressman Joe Wilson, always uh, good to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for standing firm on the wall here in Washington, D.C. You're here, and, and thank you, Family Research Council, what you do for the American people. Thank you, Tony. Best wishes on continued success. All right. Thank you, Joe. Congressman Joe Wilson of uh, South Carolina, fighting uh, day in and day out on uh, Capitol Hill. Speaking of Capitol Hill, coming up next, effort on the Hill to get the Born Alive Abortion Survivor Protection Act onto the House floor so that they can finally have a vote. Eighty attempts in the last Congress, all blocked by Speaker Nancy Pelosi. If they get 218 signatures, there'll be a vote. We'll talk with the bill's author, Ann Wagner, next. Don't go away. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the world's foremost violator of religious freedom. 
To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Earlier today, Congresswoman Kat Kamek of Florida introduced a discharge petition for the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, which would force a vote on the House floor if 218 signatures are gathered. Now, in the last Congress, the discharge petition received 205 signatures uh, including 188 on the first day, the most that any discharge petition had uh, ever received on the first day, but it fell short of the 218 needed to force the vote. So 80 times, about 80 times, members went and uh, asked for a vote on this bill, and 80 times Speaker Pelosi denied them. This time, if uh, the Congress can get to 218 votes, it will force, it will force a vote on the House floor on this very simple, straightforward bill. What does the bill do? Well, we'll talk about it with the bill's author, Congresswoman Ann Wagner, who represents the 2nd District of Missouri. Well, to be with you, Tony, and all your listeners, thank you so much for having me on this uh, uh, amazing and hopeful day. All right, so where, where are we right now on the discharge petition here on the first day? How many signatures thus far? Well, I will tell you what, we're, we're trying to get up to about 200, and I just left the, the, the floor. I'm, I'm down in Whips Police's office right now visiting with you and, and your listeners, and uh, we were, I think, well past 150, and I'm, I'm wrangling them up as, as, as quickly as I possibly can. We now, with the... Uh, uh, the uh, not, uh, swearing in today of Julie Letlow, we are at 12, our 212 Republicans. So uh, I want to make sure that we get above 200 today or at least hit that mark. And uh, of course, we're going to have 212 Republicans that are going to sign this discharge petition uh, and, and a historic, Tony, 31 pro-life women yes. uh, um, are going to be on this discharge petition we will just need, we have one more open seat. The, sadly, uh, Ron Wright of, of Texas passed away, and uh, his seat is still up for special election. So when that is filled here shortly, uh, then we'll be to 213. We're five seats away. We need to, to, to really, really push five 
uh, Democrats to do the right thing. And many of them have have uh, campaigned on uh, and told their constituents that they uh, believe in the sanctity of life. And let's hold them to it and see if we can't finally, uh, after 80 tries last Congress on my bill, let's try and get them uh, on the record this time around. Now, Congresswoman Wagner, this is not a a, a really a, a, a stretch, I would think, for any member of Congress, because we're not talking about, you know, although I'd like to see abortion eliminated, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a, a baby that survives an attempted abortion, simply saying that they will receive the same medical care as any other newborn baby, right? That's right. That is absolutely right. Every precious baby, regardless Tony, of the circumstances of, of his or her birth, deserves to receive the same life-saving care that any other child would receive. And I'll tell you, as a mother, as a legislator, uh, and as an advocate who came to Congress to serve as a voice for the voiceless, I believe, like you do, and I'm sure your listeners do, that life begins at conception and that it's wrong to kill a child no matter how many weeks old he or she may be. But what we're talking about here is uh, is infanticide. Yeah. To, to, to kill a child uh, after uh, he or she is born alive. 70% of Americans who identify as Democrats support this legislation. You're right. It is not a stretch. And I'm just so highly offended that uh, Speaker Pelosi will not even allow folks to, to, to have a vote on this critical piece of of legislation. So we're going to try once again. We're just to be at the end of the day about a handful uh, shy on this discharge petition. So we need for your listeners to be the strong advocates that they are and uh, to, to contact their members of Congress on both sides of the aisle, but certainly on the Democrat side of the aisle and make sure that um, uh, they stand up for life, that they sign the discharge petition and that we get every every member of Congress on the record on this very, very important issue. So, Anne, with that understanding of what the bill does, it simply, it, it draws a line at infanticide in the United States of America is what it does. It just says we, we are not going to, if a baby survives an abortion attempt, we're not going to, we're not going to end its life and we're not going to let it lay there and die. We're going to give it basic medical attention. Are, are you telling me that it's questionable as to whether or not we can find five Democratic members of Congress that would say, I'm opposed to infanticide? I, I, I sure certainly wouldn't think so. You should know, Tony, that this bill has passed um, uh, the U.S. House of Representatives and uh, had this bill in the 115th Congress come to the floor. And it passed with bipartisan support. So it's been done before. Um, and I believe if it came to the floor and folks were and members of Congress were forced to go on the record that, yes, it would pass, and it should pass. As you said, this is not a stretch here. Um, it, uh, I, I believe that everyone should be on the record on this, hmm. and I'm, I'm going to tell you what, I will never stop working until this legislation is not just passed again in the U.S. House of Representatives, but until it's signed into law uh, on the federal level. Uh, there are this this bill also, I should tell you, has a reporting requirements that say that healthcare providers and employees have to report any violations of the act of law. Some of our issues in, in coming up with some of the data is that 
only a handful of states actually report. So we don't even know um, really how many uh, of our precious babies are left to um, left to, to die um, in a in a clinic or a hospital. Uh, sadly, so uh, it does multiple things, but the most important thing is it's going to save lives. Of this, uh, and I know that you will not give up until the mission is accomplished. Congresswoman Ann Wagner, thanks so much for joining us and thanks for your tenacity. You bet that that I am. So thank you, Tony, and thanks to your listeners and thank them now for the work they're going to do to make sure that we bring this to the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. Absolutely. We'll give it our best shot. And uh, folks, we do need you to weigh in with your members of Congress. Just and, and, and while they'll vote for it, when it gets on the floor, it's getting those signatures on the discharge petition. So there will be the vote. So contact your members of Congress. Find out how. Go to TonyPerkins.com. Coming up next, California. Lawmakers doxing potentially those who signed uh, petitions, recall petitions. We'll talk with Pastor Jack Hibbs next. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow. I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me invite you to join us tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, for this week's edition of Pray, Vote, Stand. I'll be joined by the governor of Georgia. Governor Kemp will be talking about uh, uh, this just unnatural response to the effort to clean up election irregularities by the left. Corporations, the president being 
called a liar by Washington Post for the misinformation he's put out there. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Ken Black will also be joining us uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. All right, speaking about, uh, you know, what's happening in Georgia, a lot of attention been focused on the cancel culture and how the left is weighing in on this. But look, don't miss what's happening on the left coast. News coming out of California that the Senate Elections Committee there passed by a partisan vote of four to one a bill that would out every single individual who signs a recall petition. Now, remember, they signed a recall petition that would recall the governor, Governor Gavin Newsom. All right. Means he would be booted out of office. Politicians are feeling the heat from voters, and so now they're trying to put in place a mechanism that would allow them to contact those members, those voters who actually sign these discharge petitions. Talking to me, uh, rather, recall petitions. Joining me now to talk more about this, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in California, who is very involved in uh, the recall petition on Gavin Newsom. Newsom. Uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tony. Thanks much. All right. So uh, now I understand that the t- the actual implementation of this law would not affect the recall of the governor, but it's being distorted to probably scare some folks so that they'll pull their signatures off of the recall petition. Tony, that's exactly correct. I don't even know where to begin because your uh, your uh, introduction to this was so excellent. Clearly, what happens in California doesn't stay in California, and the people in Georgia are feeling that right now. The fact of the matter is, Tony, that's exactly correct. Let's remember that in California, we have a history of evicting, recalling our elected officials. Uh, so that's a good thing. What's interesting, Tony, is that every recall effort that has been successful in California has been the California voter against a Democrat uh, that is seated in office, a Democrat. Why? Too extreme. And the the man who engineered, Tony, this uh, bill that you're talking about is none other than Josh Newman. Josh Newman was recalled by the California voter and was literally thrown out of office. I had the high honor of testifying up in Sacramento uh, regarding another issue on the day I physically watched Josh Newman grab his books and his computer and be walked out of his office in Sacramento. Why? Because the Sacramento voter had recalled him. He's the author of this legislation that would bully, that would intimidate, that would silence uh, anyone who would sign a petition in the future. And Tony, not only that, but would reveal their private name and their employment. Now, why is this why is this needed? It's not needed. It's textbook bullying. It's a last ditch effort. California politicians are panicking right now. And for that, we are grateful. I mean, this is the height of arrogance to me when you I mean, this. So our, our listeners, our viewers are very clear in what this does. It provides a mechanism for the target of the recall position, the politician, to communicate with constituents who may have signed the petition. So as you said, their name, address, and so all of a sudden someone shows up your, at your door knocking on, hey, did you sign a discharge petition against me or a, a recall petition on me? Uh, that could be intimidating. Tony, listen, uh, and, and by the way, I was stepped through uh, the, the workings of this. Imagine this. This is a reality. 
Imagine that you work for the governor. You see what's going on. You don't like him. You don't like his policies and what you have uh, inherited with him. You're on his staff, but you sign the petition. You think that you're safe. Well, what that does now is it not only reveals who you are, but your email contact information and who you work for. So all of a sudden that silences anyone who could be flushed right. out by by a mayor's office, a city councilman, or the, the county board of supervisors. And now you become a target. Now, I want everybody to realize this is the Democrat mode of operation. Find those who speak up against you and destroy them because there's no room, Tony, for us to be a republic. There's no room for us to have any voice of dissent because that would make it America. We can't have that anymore. That's what's going on. This is voter intimidation on steroids, uh, to borrow a phrase from uh, Joe Biden. Um, and, and so this this is dangerous. This undermines the republic and our freedom and our voice. And, and we've got to push back. I know you are in California, but this is something all Americans need to uh, to push back and, and weigh in on. Pastor Jack, I want to thank you for joining us. As always, great to talk with you and uh, appreciate all that you're doing out there in California. Tony, we're grateful for FRC, and I know that you guys always have our back here. It helps us to keep standing. Thank you. All right. Well, folks, speaking of religious freedom, the Equality Act, it is a direct assault on religious freedom. We're going to talk about that next with former Solicitor General for the U.S., we're going to talk to Ken Starr. He's going to be joining me in studio about a new book he has on religious freedom and the exercise of that freedom. That's coming up next right here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More to come. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. 
there is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, this week's edition of Pray, Vote, Stand. I'll be joined by Governor Kemp of Georgia and uh, Ken Blackwell. Also be joining us, former Secretary of State of Ohio. Uh, What's really behind the outrage of woke corporate America over the election reform bill. We're going to be talking about that tonight with uh, Governor Kemp, Ken Blackwell, also joining us. All right, last week, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he's in the majority by a uh, very slim margin, uh, one vote. Uh, He spoke at a virtual Zoom town hall meeting on the so-called Equality Act, or aptly described as the Inequality Act. Uh, This was hosted by the LGBTQ advocacy groups, the New Pride Agenda, and the Freedom for All Americans. I want you to watch this clip. There is no question this is a federal issue. And this idea of leaving it up to the states, you don't leave bigotry up to the states. You try to stomp it out. I I, I, I love that. I'm going to... I'm going to make a, uh, um, I'm going to put that somewhere. I love the bigger tree, you know. <laughs> well, my next guest notes in his just released book, religion is now a bad thing in the view of millions of secularist Americans. Their reasoning, religious beliefs and practices inflict, quote unquote, harm on individuals. With me now to talk about the harm principle and other threats to religious freedom in America is the former U.S. Solicitor General Ken Starr, author of Religious Liberty in Crisis, Exercising Your Faith in an Age of Uncertainty, which just came out yesterday. Just out yesterday, yes. Thank you, Tony, for having me in. Thanks for showing the book. Well, Judge, welcome to uh, the program. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Now, let's start off. I mentioned this. Let's start off with the harm principle. Unpack that for us. The harm principle, supposedly, is when someone, let's say Jack Phillips, the very famous uh, cake design artist, says, you know, I cannot in conscience create this specialty cake for you to celebrate your same-sex marriage. I'll sell you a cake and I'll bake you a cake, but I can't 
to perform this artistry for you. you. By doing that, Jack, you have inflicted harm. And what is the harm? It's dignitary harm. Uh, you're not treating me as a human being. And so that's, uh, that's the argument. Here's the problem with the argument. It would obliterate acts of conscience by so many people. Think of abortion providers. You know, by not serving here in this capacity and assisting me, a pregnant woman who wants your doctor or healthcare provider to assist me in this process, you're inflicting dignitary harm on me. So it's very open-ended and ill-defined. But is that only one way? I mean, it's, there are countless ways. But can't right? you, if you force me to do something that violates my dignity, doesn't that harm me? Yes, but that doesn't count under the Equality Act. You see, what the Equality Act will do, and it's one of the diabolical dimensions of this wolf in sheep's clothing, is that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is protective of conscience and which was supported by virtually everyone, unanimously passed the House of Representatives, passed the Senate 97 to 3, signed into law enthusiastically by uh, President Clinton. This would now essentially repeal that for purposes of public accommodations. We don't need to get technical. Just think, you may run a cake design shop out of your house, licensed to do it. You have become, under the Equality Act, right. a public accommodation, and you cannot say to someone, you, I just cannot honor your same-sex marriage or your divorce, which was one of Jack Phillips's uh, tenets of his faith. He said, I'm sorry, and he had done that. I cannot honor that freedom of conscience, the Equality Act will obliterate that, which, by the way, I think it's unconstitutional. Let me go back to a moment to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act back in the 90s. This was in response to the U.S. Supreme Court in a decision to ensure the exercise and the protection given to religious Americans. It's so precious. Freedom of conscience and acts of conscience have been protected in the American experience since we know the Revolutionary War. Every one of the 13 future states in what was to be the United States of America protected the uh, freedom of conscience of, of conscientious objectors, we now, we now call them. We honor that in this country. And throughout our history, we have honored it. The Supreme Court is honored it. And one of the things I try to point out in this book is that freedom of conscience is one of the great principles that has been consistently followed by the Supreme Court of the United States. And it's a powerful principle that's going to work for us. We have a very strong Supreme Court right. when it comes to right. acts of conscience right. and protecting freedom of conscience. The Equality Act will overturn that, but you're exactly right. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act was trying to restore acts of conscience and freedom of conscience and conscientious objectors uh, by virtue of a decision that was a pro-equality decision by the Supreme Court. So what's changed in 20 years? The culture. The culture mightily shifted, uh, and all of a sudden, you just, you know, we can cancel your speech. Think of freedom of speech. The Supreme Court recently had a case involving a convert to Christianity, an African-American, in fact, from Africa, but he converted to, to Christianity, and on the public college campus in Georgia, so we're talking about Georgia again, as mm -hmm. we're talking about later today, in Georgia, the school authorities said, you know, someone took offense at your missionary speech, your, your proselytizing, and people took offense at that, you have to stop. Well, the college 
finally understood that what it was doing was utterly inconsistent with the First Amendment. And so in Chica's case, an almost unanimous Supreme Court said, well, the, the college was right in changing its policy and allowing Chica to speak, but the case can go on so Chica can hopefully get attorney's fees uh, represented by the Alliance of Any Freedom. Th- these are very important groups. And by yes. the way, it's one of my messages in, in this book. We have so many friends. We have fire. Their fires are blazing all over the country, but we have very strong fire departments. And guess what? We have a director of fire departments called the Supreme Court of the United States that have said, you may have gotten away with it, Governor, but you're not getting away with it here. And that goes to my, my next question. The culture has changed. There's no question about it. But the Constitution hasn't. It's a, a beautiful thing. We the people, in order to form a more perfect perfect union. And when you read that preamble, by the way, to establish justice in the preamble comes before to provide for the common defense. But the preamble very eloquently ends, and to secure the blessings, that's not the preacher talking, that's the founding generation talking, the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, and that's us. Now, in the book, uh, you examine how well-meaning, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, well-meaning government action sometimes undermines religious liberty of the people. Give us some examples of that. One of the examples that really got the ball rolling in terms of the high watermark of religious freedom was the effort of public school administrators to exclude Bible study clubs from uh, campuses. So a case comes up to the Supreme Court. I happen to argue that uh, a case along with Jay Sekulow. And the principles of freedom prevailed because in that case, the high school in question outside Omaha, Nebraska, allowed over 30 extracurricular groups. But they said separation of church and state means Bridget Mergens, you can't, sophomore that you are, we like you a lot, but you can't have your Bible study club. And we won that one eight to one. Wow. And that speaks to a part of what this book is about, religious liberty in crisis, exercising your faith in an age of uncertainty. And by the way, before I get too far down, how can folks get a copy? Wherever books are sold. But I want to recommend a Christian bookstore, Hearts and Minds Books in Dallastown, Pennsylvania. They've got their own website, Hearts and Minds Books dot org, uh, but obviously wherever yeah. books are sold. Well, get it where you have friendly booksellers. And, and it's it's a mom and pop shop, and they are wonderful. They really work closely with the Christian Legal Society, and I serve on that board. How important is it for every American to know their rights? Vitally. We are in a happily peaceful conflict right now, but it's a huge conflict. And you heard that with Chuck Schumer, right? right. There's no room for bigotry, and it's a national issue. And he was talking about our faith. Exactly. Exactly. And so religion is an instrument. And I heard this on one of the shows that I was on, the call, and said, Religion has been used to justify all matters inflicting harm and then, you know, slavery and so forth. And and I said, well, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. had a rather different view of what the Christian message uh, is. It's one of freedom. But it's a different kind of equality, which is every person, including Jack uh, Phillips, the cake uh, baker, likewise has a right to freedom as well. You can't keep someone out of the shop because of 
race, net, and I think everybody would agree right. with that. But you cannot force someone to then violate his yeah, or her conscience. A, a part of that is civility, that oh. that that we we care enough about our fellow American. And while we're different, we have a different view. We're not going to force someone to engage in an activity that violates their conscience. That's the sea change that has occurred, Tony, as you see it every day. And we're seeing it across the country. Some might say, oh, this is just happening in California and New York. No, it's happening in Mississippi. It's happening in Alabama right now. So it's coming. That They are coming for you. Some city council is coming for you. Some governor, perhaps. Some school board, perhaps. So we have to arm ourselves, prepare ourselves for this peaceful battle so that we give a reason for the hope that is within us right. as citizens. We've got to prepare. Yes, we need to study the Bible. Guess what? Now we're called upon to be like the Apostle Paul. We've got to be able to stand up for our position and to try as best we can to convince our neighbors in a winsome way, in a civil way, that if they end up disagreeing with us, they will understand the reasonableness of our position. And like the Apostle Paul, we have to exercise our rights. Um, you know, he wanted to see Caesar. He wanted to press his case. Uh, so when we look at our rights, and you mentioned a number of the, the great legal groups, ADF, First Liberty, all these ones that are out there. If they don't have clients, they can't make these cases. And so when someone's is their rights are violated and they'd rather just be quiet about oh. it and, and not and, and avoid the conflict, we've got to face the conflict as uncomfortable as it is in order to preserve those fundamental freedoms. C.S. Lewis reminded us, as had Aristotle of old, courage is a foundational virtue. We need to, as Joshua did, be a person of courage. Or we can say, no, I'm not going to be a person of courage. And we know what a person who doesn't have courage is. So I'm not going to use the other C word. But it is simply not admirable for someone not to say in a winsome way, the way Jack, I keep coming back to Jack because yeah, he, he's, he's such a sweet a human being. Yeah. And he is a model of kindness and compassion. He takes good care of his customers, including the homeless guy who came in on the day that Jack heard that his case had been granted by the Supreme Court. And the homeless guy said, yeah, I got to go to court, too, on Thursday. Right. So Jack is just the most sweet person in the world wouldn't harm the proverbial flea. And yet, here it is. He has become the poster child of freedom of conscience. Are we at a tipping point? Looking back, I think we would say we are beyond the tipping point because we have allowed the culture, we haven't allowed it, the culture has slipped away from us. And while we have been with our own community as our sort of the, the Benedictine model, right, we have mm -hmm. decided to stay in our gated communities called the church and small groups and so forth. In the meantime, society turned uh, badly against us. And here's the good news. As I say in the book, there are so many great stories to tell. Your local church... Look at the good as the world measures good good works. Leave Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement aside. Just look what the local church is doing right now in addressing the social problems of our time. And you'll see 
as the great sociologist Robert Putnam of Harvard put it, American grace. I don't know whether he's a person of belief or not, but what I do know is America's leading sociologist at Harvard University said, churches bring grace to our communities. So what is the way forward for religious freedom, Dr. Starr? The way forward is to prepare yourselves, gird your loins for battle. You're entering the land of Canaan. Canaan is all around you. So now be ready to engage peacefully. Arm yourself with the great principles of religious liberty, and then arm your children and your grandchildren. Ken Starr, great to talk with you. Uh, The book, Religious Liberty in Crisis, Exercising Your Faith in an Age of Uncertainty, uh, it's a it's a great read. It's a, it's a, actually it's a short read, but I encourage you to pick it up. Uh, this is, I think, uh, Doctor Starr, our our most fundamental freedom is the freedom of religion. Everything else turns on it. Thank you, folks. Thank you for joining us as well. I encourage you to check out the website TonyPerkins.com. In fact, we'll have a link. Uh, I'll try to get a link up there to that bookstore that Doctor Starr mentioned. And again, join us tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, as we take a look at what is really behind this outrage, so to speak, against the election reform law in Georgia. We'll be joined by uh, Governor Kemp. Also, Ken Blackwell will be joining us as well. I encourage you to uh, tune in. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 